Chapter Fourteen of Sentimental Education. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Sentimental Education by Gustave Flaubert. Chapter Fourteen, Part Four. The poor Marechal had never known one better than this often when she gazed at frederick tears came into her eyes then she would raise them or cast a glance towards the horizon as if she saw there some bright dawn perspectives of boundless felicity at last she confessed one day to him that she wished to have a mass said so that it might bring a blessing on our love how was it then that she had resisted him so long she could not tell herself he repeated his question a great many times and she replied as she clasped him in her arms it was because i was afraid my darling of loving you too well on sunday morning frederick read amongst the list of the wounded given in a newspaper the name of dusardier he uttered a cry and showing the paper to rosinette declared that he was going to start at once for paris for what purpose in order to see him to nurse him you are not going i'm sure to leave me by myself come with me ha ah, to poke my nose in a squabble of that sort oh no thanks however i cannot ta 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 as if they had need of nurses in the hospitals and then what concern is he of yours any longer every one for himself he was roused to indignation by this egoism on her part and he reproached himself for not being in the capital with the others such indifference to the misfortunes of the nation had in it something shabby and only worthy of a small shopkeeper and now all of a sudden his intrigue with rosinette weighed on his mind as if it were a crime for an hour they were quite cool towards each other then she appealed to him to wait and not expose himself to danger suppose you happen to be killed well i should only have done my duty rosinette gave a jump his first duty was to love her but no doubt he did not care about her any longer there was no common sense in what he was going to do good heavens what an idea frederick rang for his bill but to get back to paris was not an easy matter the la loire stagecoach had just left at the lacan berlins would not be starting the diligence from bourg bonnet would not be passing till a late hour that night and perhaps it might be full one could never tell when he had lost a great deal of time in making inquiries about the various modes of conveyance the idea occurred to him to travel post the master of the post-house refused to supply him with horses as frederick had no passport finally he hired an open carriage the same one in which they had driven about the country and at about five o'clock they arrived in front of the hotel du commerce at milan the market-place was covered with piles of arms the prefect had forbidden the national guards to proceed towards paris those who did not belong to his department wished to go on there was a great deal of shouting and the inn was packed with a noisy crowd rosinette seized with terror said she would not go a step further and once more begged of him to stay the innkeeper and his wife 
joined in her entreaties a decent sort of man who happened to be dining there interposed and observed that the fighting would be over in a very short time besides one ought to do his duty thereupon the marechal redoubled her sobs frederick got exasperated he handed her his purse kissed her quickly and disappeared on reaching cobeille he learned at the station that the insurgents had cut the rails at regular distances and the coachman refused to drive him any farther he said that his horses were overspent through his influence however frederick managed to procure an indifferent cabriolet which for the sum of sixty francs without taking into account the price of a drink for the driver was to convey him as far as the italian barrier but at a hundred paces from the barrier his coachman made him descend and turn back frederick was walking along the pathway when suddenly a sentinel thrust out his bayonet four men seized him exclaiming this is one of them look out search him brigand scoundrel and he was so thoroughly stupefied that he let himself be dragged to the guard-house of the barrier at the very point where the boulevard des gobelins and de l'hôpital and rue godefroy and montfetard converge four barricades formed at the ends of four different ways enormous sloping ramparts of paving stones torches were glimmering here and there in spite of the rising clouds of dust he could distinguish foot-soldiers of the line and national guards all with their faces blackened their chests uncovered and an aspect of wild excitement they had just captured the square and had shot down a number of men their rage had not yet cooled frederick said he had come from fontainebleau to the relief of a wounded comrade who lodged in the rue belafon not one of them would believe him at first they examined his hands they even put their noses to his ear to make sure that he did not smell of powder however by dint of repeating the same thing he finally satisfied a captain who directed to fusilier to conduct him to the guard-house of the jardin des plans they descended the boulevard de l'hôpital a strong breeze was blowing it restored him to animation after this they turned with the rue de marche aux chevaux the jardin des plans at the right formed a long black mass whilst at the left the entire front of the pitié illuminated at every window blazed like a conflagration and shadows passed rapidly over the window panes the two men in charge of frederick went away another accompanied him to the polytechnic school the rue saint victor was quite dark without a gas lamp or a light at any window to relieve the gloom every ten minutes could be heard the words sentinels mind yourselves and this exclamation cast into the midst of the silence was prolonged like the repeated striking of a stone against the side of a chasm as it falls through space every now and then the stamp of heavy footsteps could be heard drawing nearer this was nothing less than a patrol consisting of about a hundred men from this confused mass escaped whisperings and the dull clanking of iron and moving away with a rhythmic swing it melted into the darkness in the middle of the crossing where several streets met a dragoon sat motionless on his horse from time to time an express rider passed at a rapid gallop then the silence was renewed cannons which were being drawn along the streets made on the pavement a heavy rolling sound that seemed full of menace a sound different from every ordinary sound which oppressed the heart the sounds was profound unlimited a black silence men in white blouses accosted the soldiers spoke one or two words to them and then vanished like phantoms 
the guardhouse of the polytechnic school overflowed with people the threshold was blocked up with women who had come to see their sons or their husbands they were sent on to the pantheon which had been transformed into a dead house and no attention was paid to frederick he pressed forward resolutely solemnly declaring that his friend dusardier was waiting for him that he was at death's door at last they sent a corporal to accompany him to the top of the rue saint jacques to the mayor's office in the twelfth arrondissement the place du pantheon was filled with soldiers lying asleep on straw the day was breaking the bivouac fires were extinguished the insurrection had left terrible traces in this quarter the soil of the streets from one end to the other was covered with risings of various sizes on the wrecked barricades had been piled up omnibuses gas pipes and cartwheels in certain places there were little dark pools which must have been blood the houses were riddled with projectiles and their framework could be seen under the plaster that was peeled off window blinds each attached only by a single nail hung like rags the staircases having fallen in doors opened on vacancy the interiors of rooms could be perceived with their papers in strips in some instances dainty objects had remained in them quite intact frederick noticed a timepiece a parrot-stick and some engravings when he entered the mayor's office the national guards were chattering without a moment's pause about the deaths of brea and negrier about the deputy charbonnel and about the archbishop of paris he heard them saying that the duc d'aumal had landed at boulogne that barbet had fled from vincennes that the artillery were coming up from bouge and that abundant aid was arriving from the provinces about three o'clock someone brought good news truce bearers from the insurgents were in conference with the president of the assembly thereupon they all made merry and as he had a dozen francs left frederick sent for a dozen bottles of wine hoping by this means to hasten his deliverance suddenly a discharge of musketry was heard the drinking stopped they peered with distrustful eyes into the unknown it might be henry v in order to get rid of responsibility they took frederick to the mayor's office in the eleventh arrondissement which he was not permitted to leave till nine o'clock in the morning he started at a running pace from the quai voltaire at an open window an old man in his shirt sleeves was crying with his eyes raised the seine glided peacefully along the sky was of a clear blue and in the trees round the tuileries birds were singing frederick was just crossing the place du carousel when a litter happened to be passing by the soldiers at the guard-house immediately presented arms and the officer putting his hand to his shako said honour to unfortunate bravery this phrase seemed to have almost become a matter of duty he who pronounced it appeared to be on each occasion filled with profound emotion a group of people in a state of fierce excitement followed the litter exclaiming we will avenge you we will avenge you the vehicles kept moving about on the boulevard and women were making lint before the doors meanwhile the outbreak had been quelled or very nearly so a proclamation from convignac just posted up announced the fact at the top of the rue vivienne a company of the garde mobile appeared then the citizens uttered cries of enthusiasm they raised their hats applauded danced wished to embrace them and to invite them to drink and flowers flung by ladies fell from the balconies at last at ten o'clock at the moment when the cannon was booming as an attack was being made on the faubourg saint antoine frederick reached the abode of dusardier he found the bookkeeper in his garret lying asleep on his back from the adjoining apartment a woman came forth with silent tread 
mademoiselle vatnaz she led frederick aside and explained to him how dusardier had got wounded on saturday on the top of a barricade in the rue lafayette a young fellow wrapped in a tricolored flag cried out to the national guards are you going to shoot your brothers as they advanced dusardier threw down his gun pushed away the others sprang over the barricade and with a blow of an old shoe knocked down the insurgent from whom he tore the flag he had afterwards been found under a heap of rubbish with a slug of copper in his thigh it was found necessary to make an incision in order to extract the projectile mademoiselle vatnaz arrived the same evening and since then had not quitted his side she intelligently prepared everything that was needed for the dressings assisted him in taking his medicine or other liquids attended to his slightest wishes left and returned again with footsteps more light than those of a fly and gazed at him with eyes full of tenderness frederick during the two following weeks did not fail to come back every morning one day while he was speaking about the devotion of the vatnaz dusardier shrugged his shoulders oh no she does this through interested motives do you think so he replied i'm sure of it without seeming disposed to give any further explanation she had loaded him with kindnesses carrying her attention so far as to bring him the newspapers in which his gallant action was extolled he even confessed to frederick that he felt uneasy in his conscience perhaps he ought to have put himself on the other side with the men in blouses for indeed a heap of promises had been made to them which had not been carried out those who had vanquished them hated the republic in the next place they had treated them very harshly no doubt they were in the wrong not quite however and the honest fellow was tormented by the thought that he might have fought against the righteous cause senecal who was mured in the tuileries under the terrace at the water's edge had none of this mental anguish there were nine hundred men in the place huddled together in the midst of filth without the slightest order their faces blackened with powder and clotted blood shivering with ague and breaking out into cries of rage and those who were brought there to die were not separated from the rest sometimes on hearing the sound of a detonation they believed that they were all going to be shot then they dashed themselves against the walls and after that fell back again into their places so much stupefied by suffering that it seemed to them that they were living in a nightmare a mournful hallucination the lamp which hung from the arched roof looked like a stain of blood and little green and yellow flames fluttered about caused by the emanations from the vault through fear of epidemics a commission was appointed when he had advanced a few steps the president recoiled frightened by the stench from the excrements and from the corpses as soon as the prisoners drew near a vent hall the national guards who were on sentry in order to prevent them from shaking the bars of the grating prodded them indiscriminately with their bayonets as a rule they showed no pity those who were not beaten wished to signalize themselves there was a regular outbreak of fear they avenged themselves at the same time on newspapers clubs mobs speech-making everything that had exasperated them during the last three months and in spite of the victory that had been gained equality as if for the punishment of its defenders and the exposure of its enemies to ridicule manifested itself in a triumphal fashion an equality of brute beasts a dead level of sanguinary vileness for the fanaticism of self-interest balanced the madness of want aristocracy had the same fits of fury as low debauchery and the cotton cap did not show itself less hideous than the red cap the public mind was agitated just as it would be after great convulsions of nature sensible men were rendered imbeciles for the rest of their lives on account of it pere roque had become very courageous almost foolhardy having arrived on the twenty sixth at paris with some of the inhabitants of Nogent, 
instead of going back at the same time with them he had gone to give his assistance to the national guard in came to the tuileries and he was quite satisfied to be placed on sentry in front of the terrace at the water side there at any rate he had these brigands under his feet he was delighted to find that they were beaten and humiliated and he could not refrain from uttering invectives against them one of them a young lad with long fair hair put his face to the bars and asked for bread Monsieur roque ordered him to hold his tongue but the young man repeated in a mournful tone bread have i any to give you other prisoners presented themselves at the vent hole with their bristling beards their burning eyeballs all pushing forward and yelling bread pere roque was indignant at seeing his authority slighted in order to frighten them he took aim at them and borne onward into the vault by the crush that nearly smothered him the young man with his head thrown backwards once more exclaimed bread hold on here it is said pere roque firing a shot from his gun there was a fearful howl then silence at the side of the trough something white could be seen lying after this m roque returned to his abode for he had a house in the rue st martin which he used as a temporary residence and the injury done to the front of the building during the riots had in no slight degree contributed to excite his rage it seemed to him when he next saw it that he had exaggerated the amount of damage done to it his recent act had a soothing effect on him as if it indemnified him for his loss it was his daughter herself who opened the door for him she immediately made the remark that she had felt uneasy at his excessively prolonged absence she was afraid that he had met with some misfortune that he had been wounded this manifestation of filial love softened pere roque he was astonished that she should have set out on a journey without catherine i sent her out on a message was louise's reply and she made inquiries about his health about one thing or another then with an air of indifference she asked him whether he had chanced to come across frederick no i didn't see him it was on his account alone that she had come up from the country someone was walking at that moment in the lobby oh excuse me and she disappeared catherine had not found frederick he had been several days away and his intimate friend m de laurier was now living in the provinces louise once more presented herself shaking all over without being able to utter a word she leaned against the furniture what's the matter with you tell me what's the matter with you exclaimed her father she indicated by a wave of her hand that it was nothing and with a great effort of will she regained her composure the keeper of the restaurant at the opposite side of the street brought them soup but pere roque had passed through too exciting an ordeal to be able to control his emotions he is not likely to die and at dessert he had a sort of fainting fit a doctor was at once sent for and he prescribed a potion then when m roque was in bed he asked to be as well wrapped up as possible in order to bring on perspiration he gasped he moaned thanks my good catherine kiss your poor father my chicken ah those revolutions and when his daughter scolded him for having made himself ill by tormenting his mind on her account he replied yes you are right but i couldn't help it i am too sensitive End of chapter fourteen part four